Iowa everywhere. John Miller is back with reaction from this week's game. Only on Iowa Everywhere. From the Channel Seat Studios, it's Hawkeye Sundays. Iowa Reaction Podcast following the Hawkeyes 41-10 win over Western Michigan. I am John Miller. This is Iowa Everywhere. All of us in the Iowa Everywhere Club if that's what you want to call it, we appreciate you listening to all of these podcasts throughout the entire network. 41-10, a weird game. Uh, had the weather delay, had uh, a likely season-ending injury to Luke Lachey. That was rather grotesque, one of the more grotesque injuries I've seen in an Iowa game in my life. Unfortunately for Luke, unfortunately for Iowa, that's a big loss, a uh, huge loss. Luke Lachey was likely a first three-round uh, tight end in the NFL draft next year. Uh, but we'll see what happens with him and wish him all the best in his recovery. But it's definitely going to leave a mark for this team. In this game, uh, Cade McNamara was, I don't know if you want to say he was off. Kirk Ferentz said in the post game that he thinks maybe he's trying too hard, uh, just trying too hard to be perfect. Um, I get that. You want to show up and show out in front of the home fans. Uh, and he's been a listen. Remember, he, he didn't play much last year at all. Uh, he's been away from the game, by and large, the speed of actual games for a couple of years now, with the exception of these first three, and then he was injured in camp, so he wasn't 100%. He's probably still not 100%. You all saw him uh, trying to evade the rush on Saturday, and uh, that's not his strength. Um, he is another quarterback that Iowa has that is – going to unlikely be able to move the chains with his legs, but it is what it is. Uh, good thrower and uh, excited to see you know how he progresses as the season rolls on, but wasn't his best game. 9 of 19, 103 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions, completion percentage of 47%. We have seen that movie before all too often over the last few years. Fortunately, on Saturday, the opponent uh, was not that good. Western Michigan did score a touchdown. They scored a touchdown the first quarter. They led after the first quarter. I I almost placed a wager this week on Iowa minus six and a half first quarter. That would have been really frustrating. But what was interesting in this game is the the overhits and those of us that had Iowa either minus 27 and a half or minus 28 and a half, the, the spread hit. So that was that was something as well. Uh, LaShawn Williams getting some action as uh, Caleb Johnson, uh, his ankle wouldn't let him go, and it looked like Jazz Patterson uh, tweaked something with himself, or at least that was the report in the postgame. So LaShawn Williams, 12 rushing attempts, 145 yards. That's an average of 12.1 yards per carry. He did have the long of 53, and he also tacked on a, uh, th- what was that, a... Uh, long touchdown run and reception. So nice to see LaShawn Williams getting an opportunity. Likely at the end of the week last week, he was the third string running back. But he got, uh, you know, 12 carries and he did the most of them. Uh, Moulton, the freshman running back, eight carries, 50 yards, two touchdowns. Washington Jr. got uh, six carries for 31. Fifth string backup, White gets three carries for three yards and a touchdown. It was uh, everybody gets to run the ball against Western Michigan. As a team, Iowa with 200 
and 54 yards on the ground. That is their best output in several years. Um, to 387 yards for Iowa, so the Hawkeyes still haven't cracked that 400-yard barrier for a couple of years. Um, just the one penalty in the day, 19 first downs for the Hawkeyes, but just 4 of 12 on third down. That's a little frustrating. 65 total plays for Iowa in this game. Iowa averaging 6 yards per play, 12.1 yards per completion, and 5.9 yards per rush after you take away sacks, uh, or after you include the sack yardage that's basically 33 negative yards. Uh, Iowa's average would have been better if you take away the sacks. Iowa won the time of possession battle. They lost the turnover battle. They were minus one in that game. Two sacks, uh, but Western Michigan had four. Um, Steve Stilianos, tight end, came in. Two catches, 29 yards. That led Iowa in receiving yards. Ugh. Uh, Iowa's top three receivers in this game. Stilianos, Williams, and Estranga, two tight ends and a running back. Each of them had three targets. Deontay Vines did get a tutty, and he also had three targets. Seth Anderson was targeted twice. Nico Regaini targeted four times, but just one reception um, in the game. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. We'll, we'll con I'll continue to go through some of these numbers that I enjoy looking at, and I, I typically wait until I do this live so we can kind of look at them together. But, man, this game just, ugh. Um, Iowa did have 44 yards of lost yardage in this game. That is not going to get it done next week against Penn State. Uh, 77 yards after catch, which is great. Um, Iowa had, uh, as I mentioned before, 19 first downs, 13 of those came via the run. I mean, there really wasn't anything Western Michigan could do to stop Iowa running. And for the third straight game, folks, this is a trend. Third straight game, Iowa was exclude not I shouldn't say exclusively, but uh, mostly, predominantly, um, not running their zone blocking scheme, their outside zone. Uh, that's when everybody on the line, all five linemen, are running, you know, moving laterally to the line one way or the other. That's been the staple of the Kirk Ferentz era for the entirety of his time here. At one point in time, it was in vogue. Not so much in the college game anymore. Still see it a lot in the pro game. But Iowa, gap, power O, inside zone, split zone, uh, trap, and it hat on hat blocking the majority of the time. Again, Western Michigan's not great. We'll see how this evolution works out as the season goes along. But it was not. My friend Billy Love was over watching the game with me yesterday, and he asked me what are the things I wanted most to see out of this game before it happened. And I said I wanted to see domination at the line of scrimmage from both the defense and the offense. And in the running game, in the Iowa running game, we saw that. We saw domination in the running game. Pass blocking in the second half wasn't as good. Um, you know, I'd have to go back and watch and see if Western Michigan was doing anything different with their front. Um, but it, it was a little, you know, I saw them using a lot of the, you know, the odd man fronts and things like that. And that's not, uh, it's just not something you see every day. I always saw it two weeks in a row, however. But I don't know. I mean, I'd give the offensive line a, a B grade. You know, it wasn't great in the pass blocking, but they'd been done pretty well in pass blocking the first couple of games. Um, and they hadn't done well in the run blocking. Well, today they finally did well in the rushing game, um, but the pass blocking was not up to the standard that they had um, that they had put together earlier on in this season. 
Uh, Iowa's average distance to gain on third downs was 6.2 yards compared to 9.1 for Western Michigan. That's obviously really good um, by the defense. Uh, Iowa's still struggling in a third and short. They had seven third and short. Third and short classified as being one to four yards. They were two out of seven on third and shorts relative to converting first downs. They averaged gaining only 1.9 yards per play on third and short. And again, watching the game with some friends. And and you guys all have all watched these games. Iowa's third and short. It's a joke. And at times it feels predictable. Sometimes it feels too cute with these end of rounds. Um, it, yeah, just they got a lot of work to do. And that's that that really was my takeaway on the macro coming out of this game is Iowa three games in. This is where you wanted to kind of get sharp. Iowa still has a ton of work to do. And that's happened before in Kirk Ferentz era years. This team typically will hit its stride sometime in the latter part of October and in November, and they play, you know, typically winning football in November. But the the first big test and their toughest test of the season comes in six days, and I just don't think Iowa is ready um, for this test just yet. Um, let me switch over to the uh, the defense here as I'm looking at this. Um, I thought Nick Jackson um, maybe played his best game as a Hawkeye. Uh, he was really active all over the place, did a good job. Um, Iowa's second during this one. I think Xavier Wampa got caught, um, you know, on the deep touchdown, the only touchdown for Western Michigan. Um, he was over on the, the press box side. Um, and he sucked up on the underneath route, and the outside route did a stop-and-go move, and that was, uh, that was a touchdown. It was a touchdown for Western Michigan on the stop-and-go move. So wasn't the best day. Uh, you know, Schulte, I thought there, there was a time people were upset that he didn't try to uh, go and tackle a free runner who'd broken free and was moving to the outside, and he sort of just sort of – kind of was at, I don't even know if you want to call it a jog. What he was doing is what he's taught to do. He was protecting against that Western Michigan player, cutting back to the inside, to the open field where all the field was, where there was no additional help. In that instance, Schulte's help was the sideline. And he essentially boxed out the Western Michigan player from cutting to the middle of the field where he could do more damage. So, yeah, it probably gave up 10 or 15 more yards, but it helped prevent a touchdown. So I don't think you can get on Schulte uh, too much for that one. Um, Cooper DeGene was really good in, in special teams. Iowa's punt coverage, uh, fantastic. Um, as far as special teams is concerned, Torrey Taylor on this day, he had four punts for an average of 41.8, three of them inside the 20 two of them inside the three. Uh, so it wasn't a great day for net yards, but it was uh, another great day for the Iowa punt coverage unit as a unit. And, uh, you know, can't always punt at 70 yards. I mean, I, I don't know how y'all felt after this game. And again, it was a little bit, anytime there's a rain delay, everything just feels weird after that. Always has to me. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't a rain delay, the likes that we saw last year against Nevada that got over around 2 a.m. I think it was the same week on the schedule, the third week of the season. But it was just really, it was just really odd. 
Um, but, you know, Iowa was able to do the things they needed to do. They got some things going in the second half, doing the things they needed to do in the running game, that is. Concerns. Concerned about the defensive line. Uh, didn't think I'd be saying that three games into the season. I do have some concerns about the defensive line. Iowa just isn't getting home. They're not getting home enough on the pass rush. And that's a concern. I don't know how it wouldn't be a concern at this point in time because I think all of us assumed, oh, Noah Shannon, that really sucks. And it really does suck. It sucks bad for Noah Shannon. By all accounts, just a great, uh, a great individual, a great, a great teammate. He's done for the year because of the gambling stuff. And we all thought, well, you know what? This is where Iowa's deepest. They'll be fine. Maybe they will be. And you know what? For most of the teams they're going to play, they probably will be. And it's not like Western Michigan put up the 24 on them. They put up 10. They scored one touchdown. So I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be you know, too over the top here uh, and say the sky is falling when it's not falling yet. It just feels, it just, you know what? And, and maybe Iowa's defense is just a victim of its past success. Maybe this defense right now is a victim of its past successes. And they do have, you know, new linebackers, um, new faces along the defensive line, uh, a couple of, you know, a couple of new faces in the defensive secondary. So maybe it's going to take them uh, some time to start playing connected the way that past Phil Parker defenses have played very well and played connected. But three sacks through three games against Utah State, Iowa State, the Cyclones scoring just seven points at uh, Ohio yesterday. In Western Michigan, who is the worst of Iowa's three opponents they faced, three combined sacks, I think it's a cause for concern. Um, you know, Iowa's average yards per rush on the season just pushed up to 4.2, but that's a little bit of fool's gold because yesterday was so great. But then again, when you're in the early season and you're looking at statistics, things can change wildly from one week to another. Hey, Iowa averaging 28.3 points per game now, ahead of the pace for the Brian Ferentz meter. Scott Docterman wrote something this morning, Sunday morning, as I'm recording this in The Athletic, um, just pointing out how much of a, how dumb... Gary Barta's stipulation with Brian Ferentz's contract was. Doc didn't say it was dumb. Those are my terms. But it was dumb. It's, it, 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 you know, in the end, here's what it's going to do. It's not likely going to lead to Brian Ferentz's termination from the University of Iowa. The, con the, the codicil on that contract just states that if Iowa doesn't meet those performance metrics, that the contract is nullified. It doesn't mean that Beth Getz or whomever the AD is can't issue a new contract. It's stupid. It's one of the, in the long list of dumb PR-related things that Gary Barta did as Iowa's athletic director, this one's going up for the top because Iowa is basically a punching bag nationally is what Dr.man's article got it. Every single week, Iowa is a joke amongst some in the football world who are paying attention to this. Uh, Brent McMurphy of who knows wherever the hell he's writing for, I don't know, which probably means I shouldn't even bring it up because it's immaterial. You know, posting about it, other people posting about it. It's just a form of embarrassment. And if any, I mean, if Gary Barta's, if Gary Barta's uh, goal was to shame and embarrass Brian Ferentz for a whole year, well, you know what? 
that was a great contract because that's exactly what this is. It is it's basically going to shame and embarrass Brian Ferentz every week of the season. And it, but it's also bringing embarrassment and the type of publicity that you don't want to see for your football program to your football program on a weekly basis. And that is not anything that anybody wants to see that's associated with the black and gold. But you know what, Gary? Good job. You basically left a big old pile of poop in the middle of Brian's desk on your way out the door. And some of you are like, okay, that's, you know, that's great. Brian deserves to be knocked down. I'm not going to sit here and say if anybody deserves to be, uh, deserves to be knocked down or whatever, a few pegs, but, um, it's certainly, it's certainly a weekly embarrassment. And I don't know. I, I doubt that that was Gary Barta's motivation, but like many of the things Gary did along these types of lines, he just had a, he and the people, you know what? It's not just him, it's the people around him too. I'm sure he bounced these ideas off people. And who knows, maybe it's just such a suck up sycophant world inside the Iowa athletic department. They're like, oh yeah, Gary, that's a great idea. Yeah, Gary, good job. Let's do that. I mean, <clears throat> that that's not the type of organization that you want. You want to have people in your organization that will put, push back on stupidity or bad ideas. And maybe there were some people that did that. This was a dumb thing to do. And it's going to continue to pay dumb dividends for the rest of this year and who knows beyond and and don't think for a second that Kirk isn't keeping receipts Uh, he is there's no doubt about it there's no doubt about it all right Um, Penn State solid outing uh, against Illinois yesterday Uh, an Illinois team that I think most of us thought was going to be better than they've shown to be thus far this year I think that's safe to say Um, You know, they lost a ton of talent to the NFL off that team from last year. That last year's Illinois defense was one of the best in the country. Um, This year's is probably going to be salty to good. It's just not going to be elite and great. But here, look at this, though. Illinois loses 30 to 13. Illinois with 21st downs to 19 for Penn State. I might be on the uh, path of changing my opinion here. I'm probably going to need to actually go watch the game and not just look at a box score. Uh, Penn State had 383 yards to Illinois' 354, 219 through the year for Penn State, 292 for Illinois. Surprised by that. Then again, they were behind and probably throwing a lot. Um, Four interceptions for Illinois, five turnovers for Illinois. Illinois was minus five in turnovers. Minus five in turnovers, and they lost 30 to 13. Frankly, it probably should have been more than 30 to 13. You know what? I am going to watch this game on the uh, ESPN 60 minute show because part of me feels like I'm going to see Penn State not looking dominant and I'm going to see Illinois shooting themselves in the foot. And that gives me a little bit of hope for next week for Iowa and Penn State. But that game, 6.30 p.m., CBS, ladies and gentlemen, and a wideout. Good luck with that. Right now, as I told Billy Love yesterday, my gut tells me Penn State wins by like 24, somewhere along those lines. And I, well, I know that's difficult for Iowa to give up that many. I just don't know that Iowa's offense is going to do much. So that's how I feel right now. But you know what? I've got a whole week to think about it. I've got a week to look at the Illinois-Penn State tape. And when Chris uh, Williams and I talk on Tuesday night, I'm sure that's when we're going to record again. 
Um, I will have watched the Illinois game by then, and I may have a different opinion. So tune in for that. As always, thank you for listening to the uh, Iowa Everywhere Network, and we'll talk to you soon. Now welcome into the Channel Seed studio, my man Austin Dodd from Channel Seed. This is Hawkeye Sundays presented by Kelder Manufacturing. Austin, how we feel about the Hawkeyes today? Well, I think the conclusion of it was uh, was pretty satisfying. Uh, finally getting some numbers up on the board, 41 points. I, I think I saw a stat there in the coverage that that was the first time since uh, 21 that they got uh, anywhere close to that. So good to see the second half kind of offense explosion uh, come out. So, yeah, feel feel better about that. You know, the the first half was was a grind and didn't really feel that good at all. So the the score, um, you know, probably makes me feel a little better. But if if you actually watch the game, like you know we all did, the the first half left a lot to be desired. It seemed like. So what do you want to see moving forward in the passing game from Cade McNamara in the Iowa offense? Yeah, I thought uh, I thought today still left us questioning whether this offense can really get the ball downfield. It took us till the early fourth quarter um, of this game and really all season to to see a well, not all season, but to see a pass down the field to that uh, Eric all pass that he caught um, again with like. 12 minutes to go in the game and that was the first really good downfield pass we saw I I think it's I think we put a lot on my you know maybe the offensive line or the quarterback or, and sometimes the receivers but I think it's I, I think it's everybody needs to probably step up in that area it's pass protection it falls apart for sure uh, McNamara went down several times today I think uh, I think he needs to make quicker decisions and stick with it. I, you know, make his read and go. Uh, he's not going to have all time, all all a bunch of time back there. So he needs to make a decision and go. And then I think probably the other part is the receivers aren't getting open. So um, it still leaves a lot to be desired. It makes me very nervous going into Penn State that it seems like offensively it's a pretty one-dimensional game. Um, but uh, I think. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm concerned about it, but I think the bright side is the running game looked great today. I mean, on average, it was, they were, they were hitting the holes. We saw, I don't, I think four running backs and they all looked great. Um, it just very high average broke a couple for big runs. So yeah, really good running game run blocking. I thought the pull, uh, you know, getting Logan Jones out down the field was was awesome to see. Uh, you saw the guards pulling on counters a lot and and really making some phenomenal blocks. Uh, the the blocking scheme that I was running out right now uh, looks to be very effective, and they need to stick with it. So, again, feel like the passing game. Very nervous about it. And uh, in the running game is is right now the the standard and what they're re- relying on, which which is good. Um, but, uh, the Luke Lachey injury also makes, makes probably Hawkeye people nervous as well. And, and, and it should, he's probably an all, you know, who knows all big 10 type tight end. But I guess if you have trust in any depth at the Hawkeyes, it's probably in that tight end group. They still ran after he was out a play with four tight ends. So there's obviously some depth still there. So. Absolutely. Uh, looking ahead. How do you feel about Iowa's chances next week in Happy Valley? 
boy, uh, I think it's <laughs> it's going to be tough. I, I don't know if I've seen enough from the Hawkeyes yet to really say um, that that's a game they can compete in. Obviously, Penn State looks good. They had they handled Illinois today on the road opening up their big 10 play. So I, and it, and it just stinks to go to happy Valley. It's going to be the, you know, night game. I think what six thirty right. bite out. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough place to play. And and then you put that on top of it, that they're really good this year, maybe the best in the big 10 so far. Um, I'd probably put them ahead of Michigan and Ohio state from what I've seen. And again, Iowa, if they can put together a great week, if they can really ugly this game up, I mean, we saw some of the stuff that Iowa does well. We saw the punt down at the one. If they can get into that type of match, which they tend to with Penn State, then, hey, you know, who knows what happens. But uh, offensively still concerned. I hope some of those early big plays that Iowa gave up on defense uh, here with with an athletic quarterback and kind of the two-quarterback system maybe with something that we just can, you know, clean up and we don't see against Penn State. But th- those errors are going to kill you if you give up those big plays because Iowa needs to rely on this defense so much. So <sighs> concerned, yes, absolutely. Uh, it'll be a fun game to watch. And again, Saturday night on a uh, 6.30. So can't wait to see it. But uh, it's I don't know if they're quite ready yet. I don't know if Kate is quite there yet um, or the offensive line, but we'll see. Looking forward to it for sure. Yep. We'll find out. Austin, thank you for your time. Yeah. Thanks, Aiden. Thanks for uh, having us on here. We at channel seed really appreciate your partnership at Iowa yeah. everywhere. Um, everybody be safe and uh, out in the roads with harvest going on. It's going to certainly pick up as we continue this week. So thanks everybody. Absolutely. This has been Hawkeye Sundays presented by Kellerman Manufacturing from the Channel Seed Studio. We'll see you next time. Iowa everywhere.